welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I'm delighted to have as my guest today, Roberto Bolivar, Produce sure. Specialist for Dave's Supermarkets. Roberto's career has also included 10 years with Lucky's Market, Fresh Time, Sprouts, and Smith's. Roberto has also been generous about sharing photos of his work on LinkedIn, not only the beautiful finished products, but also some of the behind the scenes photos of display building as well, which I think is just fantastic for other folks looking to learn different techniques and ideas. So Roberto, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I'm so excited to visit with you and welcome to the podcast. Oh no, thank you for having me on. I I've been seeing you post a lot about it and I've always, you know, been intrigued. So it's glad to actually be actually be on it for once. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, that's that's fabulous to hear. I've of course been been seeing pictures of your merchandising over the years. So it's it's okay. awesome to get to to talk to you about it finally here. And oh, no. um we'll start with an easy one for you. How did you first get into the world of produce? Yeah, so um, I actually started off as a, a bagger, you know, back at a Kroger or they call it Smith's out in the southwest. Um, and I just used to walk by the produce departments and just the, the vegetables and the fruits just kind of always intrigued me. So, you know, as I was doing my bagging duties, I'd kind of tidy up a display here and there and uh, the manager saw it. So, you know, within a month, he kind of brought me over to the department and uh, it was, you know, that was it ever since I just fell in love with it and just the versatility and the, you know, the urgency that you kind of have to have and you're just always on the go. And that's kind of how I've always been. So I've, you know, I fit right in and, um, you know, kind of took it from there and just kind of worked my way up the ranks, you know, supervisor, assistant, manager, um, all the way up to regional. And so um, I'll be 32 on July 1st, and that'll be uh, 14 years in the industry at, at 32. So it's almost half my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's been a long journey, but I love it. And um, I continue to love it every day. You know, it's something that you always learn something new, no matter your level of knowledge already. And it's just ever expanding. And I think it's great. <laughs> Super. And do you remember, was there a moment or when did you first think to yourself, shoot, I could do this for my whole career. This could be my career. Um, yeah. So it was actually more when I, when I went into the, uh, the natural side of the business, you know, so I was working for, for Kroger and then I started with Sprouts and it was just a, such a big difference, you know, in the importance of, of produce in the department you know it's more of a produce store versus a, a grocery store with some produce in it and that's kind of when I saw well wow there's real real possibilities in this being a, a career for myself you know and um, just knowing my fellow peers and seeing how they've kind of grew through the ranks and you know where they were at that's kind of something that I had aspired to be as well when I was you know at that age so it's yeah it's been it's been a great journey <laughs> super and we we talked about discussing merchandising. And of course, there's about a million different directions we can go with that. But okay. over the years, I've noticed it seems like you really enjoy the floral, the plants. And so I was curious kind of how how you develop that is. I would say a little bit of a specialty. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. You know, it's um, it's one of those areas that, uh, you know, if you really put a lot of time and care into it, just like you ruined your regular department you know, staffing wise and just attention to detail, culling, same aspects that you would in your regular produce department. You can definitely uh, not only, you know, intrigue the customer, but make some good money off of it. Um, you know, floral is one of those items. Like I said, for instance, Memorial Day was not really a big floral holiday, but if you think in other terms of floral, you got graduations, all those kinds of sorts of things. So you can still make some money and, 
in the flowers as well while you're making, you know what I mean, money in the produce department. So um, when I first became a manager, my old, you know, specialist and stuff, he kind of always drilled floral in my head. And um, so I just kind of always stuck with it. And it showed results for sure. You know, I think right now we're probably number one or two in the company and in, in floral sales. And the next closest store to us is doing probably double the sales in, in volume. So I think that that kind of speaks to just the, the nurture of it. And you also have to be able to find somebody who who loves to do it. You know, I love to do it. And I have a floral supervisor who she she loves to be with the plants all day as well. So just having somebody there that, you know, that can nurture and take care of it for you is a, a big help overall. That makes sense. And I was, again, looking at some of the pictures that you posted on LinkedIn, um, fresh cut and some of the value added. I'm curious, what have been your observations since you've been you've been in the business for a while now of how that category has has developed it and some of the things you're you're working with within there? Oh, yeah, no, it's been an explosive category for sure. Um, just in the terms of convenience, you know, I know, um, especially depending on where you're located at, you know, if you're closer to the downtown area, you got a lot of people that just want to come in and, and grab a quick lunch. So if you have those items stocked daily, then, you know, you can definitely make make some big money on it. Um, some some stuff that we just sent out to our managers was, you know, doing big 64 ounce containers of watermelon. And you probably get two big containers out of one watermelon. You're selling watermelons for five bucks. You're selling those containers for 15. So you made $30 off of a $5 watermelon. And, you know, that in turn can definitely make make your margin in your department for the, for the month. Um, mm -hmm. So it's something that, you know, definitely got to keep in mind. And not even just watermelon, but, you know, the pineapples, uh, the mangoes right now, is, all the melons kind of stuff like that is really, really popular. Um, so maintaining that is a big, big step for the department for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and uh, as you alluded to, you're you're cutting it up for the customer. You're giving them that added convenience. So it's like, yep, there's some additional margin there, but it's justified. So still good value for the consumer and, and helps out the department as well. Oh, agree. And, and, you know, I think it's also about knowing when to do it. You know, you wouldn't really want to do it on a Tuesday morning and put a bunch of cut fruit out there. It's more of those Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of deals where that's really when you, you want to get a little bit of extra labor in there and just ramp up for the weekend and you know kind of do it like an accordion you know expand it out during the weekend condense it back during the week and kind of keep that momentum going that makes so much sense what are other areas that you want to kind of flex that assortment a little bit throughout the week are there other things like that oh definitely i mean you know for like the memorial day weekend you got your big sellers you got your watermelon you know have a couple extra displays out there your corn your pineapple um, we're right now, you know, we're getting into all the soft fruit cherries. I mean, right now, cherries are still a little expensive, but it's one of those items where it really doesn't matter the price, you know, the customer is going to buy it. So make sure you kind of have it out there. Mm. Um, soft fruit, like I said, peaches, nectarines, apricots, all those kind of things are starting to flood in. So those are the things you kind of want to, like I said, on the weekends, you know, make a little bit bigger normal display than you usually would. And then during the week, just keep it in its home spot, but just being able to adjust and you know, evaluate those situations is, is big when you're a manager. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and talking about floral and talking about fresh cut, taking advantage of opportunities for big displays. Um, something that I noticed when I looked on your LinkedIn profile was it mentioned, um, 
you know, your 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 division, right, ranking high in terms of the the margin, right? Low, you know, ranking well in shrink and ranking well in in margin. And so I thought that could be an interesting topic just in terms of merchandising with your margin in mind. Well, what are kind of the components that set you up for that? Of course. Um, you know, for sure, if you have a loss leader or something that you might not be making as much money in the department, maybe keep it a little bit farther in the department, farther in just to drive the customer towards it so they can get more of the higher items in front of it. Um, being able to cross merchandise is a big one, you know, not only for, for your department, but bring in other departments. You know, if you got strawberries on sale, get the bakery department, some shortcakes, get the dairy department, some whipped cream, build a nice little display. And you're not only making money for yourself, but you're making money for the other departments. Um, big holidays, like drinking holidays, you know, have an extra set of display of limes and lemons with your beer department. Um, I'm not too sure how most other companies run, but like pistachios and peanuts are part of the produce department. You know, those are big item, big, big uh, rings that you can kind of, you know, utilize in those other areas, grocery displays of beer displays. And, you know, it's all, it's all high profit items at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I was curious too, as I was reading a little bit about about Dave's supermarkets, one of the things that stood out to me was it mentioned, hey, you know, we have a, a diverse customer base across our different stores. And so one of the things that, that you all take pride in is making sure that the assortment of each store really reflects the people who shop at that specific store. And so as a specialist, you know, with you overseeing multiple stores, how do you kind of approach like, hey, this looks different than this, not only in maybe the layout, but the assortment and kind of what we're doing. What does that look like? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's more of giving that ownership to kind of your manager and him being able to decide kind of what's selling. You know, I could tell him all day that I'm flying through 10 cases of plantains and he's maybe like, well, I sell one. So, you know, it's just a different market base. So being able to analyze that and realize that as a manager and maybe adjusting to what you see your customers buying is, is kind of how they like to approach the situation. Um, as you said, you know, Dave's kind of caters to those different kind of customers. I know they do have a, a Dave's Mercado, which is a little bit more towards the Latin community and, and things of that nature. So it's really kind of where your store is based. Um, but I really feel with these smaller natural, you know, stores, you kind of, you can't really have too much of a cookie cutter type type departments because it's just not going to be, you know, the right assortment all around for, for each customer. And what does it look like for, for you when you are working again with multiple stores, thinking about, you know, the best practices you want to share and things that you want to be consistent from location to location? What are the things that should be consistent? What are the things you're like, I'm giving this, this produce manager leeway on, he knows his store the best. Right. Yeah. No, um, I mean, the biggest thing is just, I would say that they all need to be consistent is the basics, you know, um, calling, straightening, detailing. That's probably the number one list across all companies, you know, all the time that, hey, you know, we should make that your first priority every morning before you come in and touch anything. Make sure you go through each table, go through each salad, you know, your entire wet wall. And you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time on it, but just doing it consistently every morning, it it really shortens the time that you have to spend on it. And you know, my my first produce manager always gave me the the notion that a blind person should be able to shop your department with no issues about finding any bad fruit. So that's mm-hmm. kind of something that I've always preached to my fellow managers that I've been training is to try to keep that fresh aspect overall. Um, I'd rather come in and see a little bit of 
empty spots here and there in the department and know that it's fully fresh than to come in and see a full department and you kind of start going through it and you're, you know, you're finding a lot of moldy stuff at the bottom and things mm -hmm. like that. So I would say the biggest thing and the most important thing would just be keeping the everything fresh, straight and in detail at all times of day. Um, now, when we're getting into the summer, you know, the, the soft fruit, you're going to probably have to go through that multiple times, not even just once every day, you know? So um, one big phrase I like to say as well is the flies don't lie. You know, if you're seeing those fruit flies, you, you know, that there's something there, man. So, you know, it's just <laughs> to kind of go through it right away and, and find where it is and get it out of there, you know? So. Absolutely. I, I love that. Uh, I love that saying a blind person should be able to shop your department because you think about how folks are, are grocery shopping, you know, you might have kids in your cart, you're flying through cause you're, you know, on your break from work it's really easy to pick up something and like sometimes people are, are browsing and, you know, they're holding the package up and looking underneath it and that kind of thing. But other yeah. times they're just throwing it in the cart. And yeah, when you get home, if something's, if something's not right, Oh, it's, it's an experience you remember and you don't want that of course. So that's, that's a very wise saying. I'm going to hold on to that one. Well, I definitely share that as much as you can, you know, it's um, <laughs> not like you said. Yeah. And I'm, you know, doing doing that as well, you might have lost a customer that was, you know, real consistent and came into your, your store all the time. And now they don't even want to come back just from that one bad experience. Um, so you want to try, try to limit those as, as much as possible. It's a lot easier to retain one. Or, or maybe if they do come in and they were upset about something, you know, just easily switch it out with something else. Oh, yeah. Maybe give them a, a package of strawberries or something for their time, you know, something to make them be like, wow, okay, they really treated me nice and and took care of me. So I'm going to continue to stay here because yeah, it's, it's a little bit hard to come back from that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that was another thing I noticed as I was reading through your LinkedIn, Roberta was best in class customer service being something that, you know, you really not only practice yourself, but, you know, have, have made a point to teach and train on what you gave an example just there, but what are other things that that looks like, right? Is like surprising the customer with what good service it is. Oh, definitely. Um, I think now that we're we're kind of a little bit past the whole, you know, the COVID era, sampling is a big one, mm. especially in produce. You know, you're getting a lot of unique items that customers may never have tried. So, you know, one thing I say is just, you know, grab an item off one of the tables and cut a couple slices up, walk around the store, take two minutes. Excuse me, would you like to try this? And, you know, next thing you know, they're, where is that item? Where is that? Where is that? Um, and kind of get them to come, you know, draw them into your department. Um, for example, I was just uh, explaining to one of my associates the other day, uh, red pears, you know, there's a lot of people don't never really try to red pear, but if you get a really ripe one, probably one of the best tasting pears that there is. So as you're going through the tables, you might find a really ripe one. It's not, doesn't look as great to leave out there to shop, but you take that, you cut it up. And that's what I usually, I'll take a ripe pear, I'll cut it up. And next thing I know, all my red pears are gone. And it's just, it's one of those where you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't think of it, but it's, um, it's it's something that can really uh, help you improve your sales overall in your department. That makes so much sense. Well, and especially as you mentioned, something that might be a cold because it might not last, you know, at home for somebody taking it home, but not only perfectly good, but probably at the peak of how good it's going to taste. Oh yeah, <laughs> man, that that makes so much sense from a shrink perspective and from a selling perspective, right? Serving both of those. Um, you know, being able to do uh, intercom announcements is a big one. You know, I, I train my people and myself. I love to get on there all the time, too. And just, hey, you know, come get your strawberries two for five. What a deal. You know, come come check these deals out and come say hi to, you know, Paul, Kathy and Roberto. And 
that that gets customers kind of excited and going and you know produces more more uh, excitement overall in the department mm-hmm. that makes so much sense well and and leveraging your people too right because like you said covid it was like you know everybody was afraid to talk to each other right like even if they were comfortable they didn't want to make somebody else uncomfortable right. and now it's like my gosh, it's so nice to walk by someone and smile and not be worried that you'll concern them, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even kind of towards that aspect, if somebody comes and asks you if you know know where an item is, don't really just point and say it's over there. You know, walk with the customer and just take them right away. And that that goes a long way for customers because they, they don't really know where you pointed. They do point to the outside of the garage door, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> no, that's that's such a great observation because I can't tell you how many times someone has has done exactly that oh it's it's just right there behind you you know and pointing the general direction and i'm walking that way i'm like i still can't find it do i go back and say i'm sorry i know you pointed can you can you give me a relative location is it next to something that's that's yellow with a sign in front of it that i can find it yeah Yeah, no it goes a long way for sure and like you said it's it's another just a point of of good customer service (laughs) Well, and I, I do think it's something where just just the smallest, like you said, taking literally a few minutes, I mean, like a five to 10 minute endeavor, you know, to do something, it it creates something we were talking, we were talking earlier about the bad impression of if bad product is left out, you know, available for sale, right? It creates such a memorable, good impression when somebody actually, you know, says hello even, right? And not just hello, but how are you? And listens and like looks at you while they wait for the response, right? It's like these exactly. tiny things and people aren't used to it anymore. Oh, no, they're not. And and like you said, it'll really help you stand out as a, not even as a store, as a company, you know, if you if you implement that across all the stores. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm guessing that's where, you know, folks like yourself and, you know, your store managers, your, your different leaders in the organization, if they're all about that and they say, hey, it's totally fine for you to take a break from stalking for two minutes, you know, to offer a sample, like we're totally on board with that. You're not shirking your duties like this is a good thing. You know, that's what probably allows that to spread too, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, and you got to empower them to be able to do it because a lot of times, you know, you get a new employee and they don't really know that they can do that. So once they know that they can, it you know, it empowers them to to get the customers on board as well. And it excites the employees too. You know, it gives you a better environment and, and culture throughout the whole store, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another another thing maybe Roberto for us to touch on is when we talk about, you know, merchandising for for margin, obviously that you know what the the margin on everything is and you're in the loop on all those kind of things what kind of information or what kind of things can you provide for whether it's your produce managers or, or even the more junior folks work in the department so they kind of understand, hey, strawberries, you know, it's important that we've got these next to raspberries because we've got the hot deal on the strawberries and we really want people to pick up the rest of those berries too. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just communication within, you know, your departments. Um, something we would like to do sometimes is just have a quick huddle every morning with your entire team. Hey guys, here's the game plan for today. You know, we're we're getting a, a nice deal of, like you said, you know, strawberries. We're going to make double our money on them. Let's make sure we keep those stocked today. Or, hey, guys, you know, let's keep pushing these watermelon. We we got, you know, we got three bins in the back that we need to get out there. So I think just communicate them with, with your entire department daily, um, leaving lists, anything like that. And just with the, with the store management as well. So they know 
what's going on in your department. So if you leave for the day, you know, they can maintain and continue to maintain those standards throughout the day. And just, just keeping in communication, I think is probably one of the best things you can do in that aspect. Well, and I love that example, Roberto, because it's, it's like not everybody needs the full picture, but even if you give one or two things, you know, then you're getting the whole team's help on, on those special one or two things. Exactly. And a lot of times you'll see somebody come in and, you know, they might be busy and, and feeling and they just tell the, the the next person on the shift, hey, just start here. And so he just starts there and he has no, you know, no clue of what really the, the expectation or the goal is for the day. So I think just having goals for yourself as well as for your team is, you know, beneficial for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, setting the expectations, right? So, hey, when you're, you know, when your replacement comes in for the day, tell them X and Y, and that's all you need to tell them, but do tell them those two things, you know? And, um, you know, like another big one is too, is like tag teaming things. So like not a lot of people like to shuck corn, but it could be one of those where, Hey, I'll cut it. I'll trim it. You wrap it. And, you know, you can knock out 55 packs within 20 minutes, you know, just with mm-hmm. the team of two people. And um, instead of sending somebody back there and they're, you know, they're doing it for, two hours or something like that. And, you know, you don't get as much that you really could have out of the, the whole day or watermelons. I think double teaming watermelons is a big one. Um, Cause you're going to be flying through them all summer. You know, that's one that'll kind of make or break it as well. You know, you have fresh cut watermelon out there all day. I think you're going to, you know, you're going to see it in the, in the sales number the next day. You, you leave it out, leave it empty and you don't care that if it's empty one, well, you're going to see the results the next day. And so, it really depends on which route you want to take. Yeah. yeah. No, that's such a great point in terms of looking at, especially fresh cut with all these summer and summer weekends in particular, like you were saying earlier, you know, really evaluating what, what things it makes sense to assign multiple people to. And, you know, yep. That means that, that there's something else that we'll have to wait for a minute, but you know, this other thing will get done faster. And again, going back to those margin goals and things like that, you know, having that big picture view. Oh, correct. Yeah. Just knowing how to prioritize your yourself and your team, you know. <laughs> and how, how do you look at setting those priorities? Is that something that, you know, changes on a week to week basis or based on what the deals are or how, how do you kind of approach that? I mean, it's really on a daily basis. You know, I, I change stuff in my department almost every day. And um, I think the biggest way to kind of see those items is, kind of going back to the basics you know if you're going through your department every morning you're seeing the opportunities as you're going through your tables you know you can either start writing a list and making them making a list of it or just start doing it in your head and knowing okay you know my front table is probably my biggest priority right now because that's the first thing customers are going to see so let's let's start there so when your eight o'clock person or your nine o'clock person comes in you already kind of have a game plan of where you want them to start or you know, if maybe you already did that part, but then you want them to start over here. So I think just doing that while you're going through the tables every morning is, is going to be a big help for yourself and for, for everybody else involved. And we'll switch gears here for a minute and talk a little bit about inventory. Cause that was something else I was telling you earlier, earlier, Roberto, that I had seen mentioned on your LinkedIn. And I actually had a produce manager um, that I was talking with a little bit ago. And I said, Oh, you know, what are some topics that that would would be interesting to you and he said well i've just been kind of i've just been kind of struggling with inventory and so 
I thought, well, my gosh, we've got an inventory expert coming on here as well as a merchandising expert. So I'll get some inventory best practices. Well, what, what are kind of your top uh, top takeaways on inventory? Yeah, I mean, with inventory, I think the biggest thing is you want to be consistent. Um, so just knowing knowing the fluctuation of the levels of your cooler, you know, is a big thing. If you know you got an inventory coming up, then, hey, maybe you don't need to have a bunch of non-perishables in your back room. You know, you want to get all that kind of stuff out. Uh, you really want to watch what you're ordering and just kind of keep it to, you know, what you're going to need for the next day or two. I mean, de depending on your deliveries and things like that as well, you know, that's obviously a big factor, but just kind of knowing how to kind of wind it down towards the end of the week. So you get a nice clean count um, and, and letting your employees know as well as, Hey, when you're, you know, putting stuff out tonight, anything that you see that may be a quarter box or something like that, make sure that we get all those kind of items out because if I'm going through the cooler and I'm counting something, I might not have the time to check every single box to make sure it's completely full. So I might be counting, you know, three boxes and there's really a quarter case in each box and it's not even a, a full case in the back. Um, so that's a big one, you know, just kind of making sure that you, you communicate like, once again with your entire team of what's going on, you know, towards the week. And, Hey, we got inventory coming up guys. Let's, let's get it nice and clean. Um, and like I said, uh, Knowing when to, um, so just knowing that, you know, if you, if you increase your inventory, it's always going to increase your margin versus if you decrease your inventory, it's always going to decrease your margin because it's saying the product was there when it wasn't. So that's where consistency comes in place. So if you know, you counted 20,000, you know, one month, then the next month you counted 30,000 and you have a great margin that month. And then the following month, you count a 15,000. So then, it, you know, it's it's a horrible month. But if you were to take all three in between, it would have kind of averaged up to where you should have been. So if you would have just kept the 20,000, you know, within a $1,000 or two, you'd have a more consistent idea of where you're actually at versus kind of being up and down all the time. Um, so I think that's one of the ones where it comes into play is making sure you you keep a, your orders, you know, real, real nice and tight and just knowing – what am I really going to need? Can it hold off until my next delivery? You know, if you're counting on a Sunday and you get a Sunday delivery, well, you know, maybe I won't need it until that morning. So I can wait till that truck gets here and then I can, you know, I won't have to worry about it being so off, I guess, all the time. <laughs> so trying to set yourself up for success when you know that's coming up to make it as, as uncomplicated a process as possible, it sounds like. Correct. Yeah. You know, you don't want to waste too much time on it. Um, I mean, I probably take like three and a half, four hours to count the entire back room and an entire department, you know, so you being able to kind of cut it down to where, where you got it down. I wouldn't say like a science, but it's, it, it sort of kind of is, you know, in, in some aspects of it, just knowing, I guess, how to, how to do it in a timely manner. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, and like you said, it sounds like the more that you have that process fine tuned, the easier it is to be consistent and, if there are things that are a little wonky, well, at least maybe they're a little wonky every month. And so you're comparing evenly across, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and just knowing how to kind of shorten your count time as well. You know, say if you're counting fresh herbs and you know, they're all the same cost at a, you know, $1.25. Do you really have to count each, you know, each variety of herbs? Can you just say, Hey, I got a 120 packages of herbs all at a $1.25, you know, and, kind of make it go a little bit faster than having to count each individual one mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
That makes sense. Any other any other tips and tricks that that come to mind from well, because of course you you learned it all for the first time at some point. What were some of the tips that were helpful to you when you started out? I guess the biggest thing would just be be involved in in a lot of the aspects of your department, you know. So if you're the one that's putting your truck away, then you know exactly where you put the items, how many items came in, whether you might have got cut on an item, whether, you know what I mean, you might have got a mispick on an item. But that way, when it comes down to, uh, you know, inventory time or even just plain old ordering times, you're kind of involved in that process. Um, you know, don't be afraid to fill your salads. You know, a salad is one of the things where a manager might be like, oh, I got people to fill the salads. But if you don't actually go in at least every so often and touch them yourself, you're not really going to know what you're actually selling versus what you're throwing away or, or those things of that nature, you know? So I think just being a little bit involved in every aspect of your department is going to pay big dividends in the, the, the overall functionality, but as well as, you know, inventory, when it comes down to inventory time, you kind of know an idea of every, everything that it takes to fill each section of your whole department. And it just makes it a lot easier on yourself. That makes a lot of sense so that you have sort of the general context of, of what things should be, which I'm sure makes it way easier to spot, you know, any mistakes or things that are off or maybe something got entered wrong. It's like, no, 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 that's not where we usually are on this. So that's not what I saw earlier today. Exactly. And, and that's another one, too. You know, when when you finish inputting your numbers or what, however you may, you know, do your inventory, always go back and just double check. You know, um, one good rule of thumb I'd like to look at is anything over $100 that you see on your inventory sheets, your count sheets, just double verify that it should be that amount because it might have been 10 cases instead of one, you know, that you might have been put in. Like you said, yeah, if you're just getting it in and sending it off and whatever happens, happens, and you just, you know, you're praying for the best, well, then, I mean, it's not really going to do much good if, unless you actually go through and make sure that everything is as accurate as it can be. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to go through a, the other other managers inventory just to see if I catch anything because the second set of eyes is always just, just as good as one, you know. Um, so, I mean, there might be some discrepancy sometimes that you might have thought you caught that, so you know, you really didn't. And I think that just goes plays a big factor. In it all. And you know, making sure that you got any credits that you might have sent out that, hey, did you ever get a response from them? Make sure that you got that money back. Or, transfers in your department say you might have ordered something for the deli department you know make sure that it's everything's accounted for and all your all your t's are signed so when the numbers do come back at the you know at the end of the week or the month or whatever the case may be if you see that something's off well then you at least can can more or less you know dwindle it down to where it might actually be versus like where do i even start to try to figure this out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and i'm glad you mentioned that because that's sort of another aspect to it right is after it's done, what's what's anything that needs to be done after the fact to kind of go back and evaluate, you know, was this as correct as it could have been? Where are maybe blind spots or where might things be falling through the cracks? Yeah. So I mean, I know I know every company kind of does it different, you know, like sure. For instance, I, I kind of manage my own invoices. I have my own little Excel sheet where I put in my numbers. So I kind of know where we're at for the week, for the month, and things like that. So if, you know, my store manager gives me the P&Ls for the month and what I have on mine is not exactly what, you know, is on there, well, then that's when we can kind of start to dwindle it down and figure it out. Um, so just kind of any kind of form that where you might, you know, you might be able to keep to yourself. You don't necessarily have to plug it in all the time, but maybe just making a note of, you know, okay, here's my 
copies of my invoices and just just keeping a copy of them and going through them every time that you you know get your deliveries in is another big help as well um, well and like you said i'm sure that the the shorter increments that you can just sort of visit those things and see how things are looking the less painful it can be when you're doing like the official inventories and those longer intervals right oh yeah definitely <laughs> the produce is a game of pennies so it's it's one of those where it's just a few cents here and there you know but you want to try to capture as many of those cents as you can <laughs> absolutely and one question for you roberto where, when, like at what point did you learn kind of the business side, the number side of, of the business? Because of course, when we look on LinkedIn and we, we love the pictures and the merchandising and that's sort of the more glamorous side of the business, but then you've got, you know, the numbers on the back end. What, what was your process of, of learning all of that? Yeah. So, you know, I became a produce manager at 22. And so um, my previous manager he became my my regional manager when I became the manager. So we kind of all moved up laterally. Um, and we had just moved to Indiana. I had just opened up, you know, the second fresh time. So it was my, it was my first time, like you said, kind of diving into the, the business side of it. And, I mean, we used to sit at the table after work. Sometimes you'd come by, you know, we're neighbors. And we would just hang out and we would just do margin math, <laughs> sitting at the table, hanging out, you know, just – all right, so if you did $30,000 this week in sales and you bought $20,000 worth of product, you know, you had $10,000 in inventory last month and you had 10000 this month, what's your what's your margin? And we would just write it out by hand and just, you know, I'd figure it out like that. And he kind of helped me with that a lot. So um, I think that played big dividends for me at the end. And so I like to kind of do that same approach with other people, you know. I think in the the age of technology that we have nowadays, everybody's quick and easy to pull out a, a calculator, but being able to do it by, you know, by hand, I think is a, a lot better for the learning process overall. So I've kind of always stuck to those old school values. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, it, um, I appreciate you giving some, some context around that Roberto, because one of the things that um, in, in, you know, I've communicated over the years before, so you've probably already heard me say this, but it always amazes me about the role of the produce manager or the, or the merchandiser, the specialist, and that you have these these two kind of very different parts of the job and that you've got this beautiful artistry that is working with the product itself in the department. And you have these hardcore business skills over here that go into like, hey, we got to get the money in the door. None of this happens, right? Well, yeah, I think uh, produce managers wear many hats, you know, as it comes down to it. Uh, it's, it's definitely one of the the few departments left that's still considered a, a trait, you know, in the industry, um, especially just with the, with the prepackaged world that we kind of live in now. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's a, it, it's a tough act to balance, but you know, the, the good ones kind of figure out the in-between and, and their routine that works best for them. Mm-hmm. You know, something that might work best for me and how I learn might not be the best way that somebody else might learn, but as long as we have the same concepts and the same end goal, you know, whatever is easier for you to kind of, run with, I think is going to be beneficial for everybody. Super. All right. Well, anything that I've missed or anything you wanted to make sure that we got to talk about before we wrap up today? Um, I know. I I think we hit it a lot on the head. Like I said, is a, is a great conversation. Um, definitely looking forward to, you know, more of them in the future, hopefully, and, uh, continue to keep doing what we're doing and not only, you know, for ourselves, but just, as you said, you know, educating the entire community. Um, some people don't have as much information as, as others. And I think 
with with LinkedIn in general, you know, being able to spread that that education and communication worldwide is a going to be a big difference for for all the produce minded individuals going forward. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Roberto, thank you again so much for joining me here. We'll thank our listeners as well. And we'll see everybody next time on the Produce Retail Podcast.